when you pray and God gives you the answer, trust him in it, even if it's not what you were expecting. So sometimes God allows us to face situations that cause us alarm. And King Jehoshaphat, he's the guy who's going to go through this. I'm going to skip uh, to verse 32 to see what kind of king was this. Because this was the guy that was leading the people of Judah. And it says in verse 32, And he walked in the way of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. So this isn't a king who needs to get uh, disciplined because he's doing something he's not supposed to. This is a king who's leading his people well. And then he's still going to go through this experience that's going to cause him fear and cause him stress and cause him alarm. And so that doesn't mean just because you're walking with the Lord, everything's going to turn out. You would like to think that, right? You would like to hope that as long as you're walking with the Lord, things are going to turn out, but that's not always the case. And he's going to experience a situation that causes him alarm. Verses 1 and 2, it says, It happened that this, uh, after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then came some and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Which I'm sure you're thinking, okay, where is the world is that? What, what in the world does that mean? Noah, do you got a slide for me? So I got a map to help make this just a little bit more realistic, more real to life. Okay, this is where this is where they're located right now, in Jerusalem. Okay, no, uh, right there is where the bad guys are. Okay, and they've come from all over here, and then they're marching up through here, and this is where they have stopped for the night or for a, a little bit of time before they go to, dis to uh, take on Jerusalem. And that... If, you, if anybody's familiar with uh, the distance between Baker to Bowman, okay, we're, it's somewhere in the middle of uh, 40 to 50 miles, and that's about as far away as these guys are uh, from that distance. Because on a map you can't really tell, but that's about as far away. And if you think, uh, that's not very much time for a surprise attack. Uh, in, in a car you could get there like probably 45 minutes or half an hour or something like that. For these guys, the, the enemy is going to take about 15 hours. Not much time in order to get all your troops together to go to battle. And, it's, and so it's going to be a surprise attack. It's going to be somewhat scary, but somehow somebody has gotten to through the enemy lines, whether it's a fugitive or whether it's somebody who's saying, hey, we're just letting you guys know that this war is coming. You might want to get ready. He's got about 15 hours in order to line up all the troops and figure out what he's going to do. So he's distressed. He's worried. Uh, verse 12, it says, when, after they've prayed, he says, We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Sounds like a king who is very scared. He's very nervous. He has absolutely nothing within the powers of his hands that can control this scary situation that he's facing. But that's not just something that happens in the Bible. People today face situations that cause them alarm, that cause them fear. I'll tell you, when we were on our vacation with our van and it blew up what, in what felt like the middle of nowhere, we were a little bit scared about this. Right? We did not expect this kind of thing to, take, to happen. But there's other more normal kinds of things that people get afraid about. You think about the weather patterns. You think about the tornadoes that are swirling around. You think about fires. You think about uh, hail. You think about, uh, you know, during the summer, it's all green and nice now, but during the summer it could turn into a drought. There's no water. The cows are barely surviving. And you're thinking, what am I going to do? Isn't that kind of a scary situation? 
if, you're, if you find yourself in that kind of situation. Or you might find yourself or a loved one with that unexplained sickness. Mrs. Benner, you think, oh no, what do I have that's going on inside of me? And I mean, one day I'm healthy, the next day I'm not. That can be kind of scary. And after time, it doesn't go away, it doesn't get better. You go to the doctors and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And all you can think about is, I, I can't afford to be sick. I, I, I need to work. What about my family? Am I going to die? You know, all of a sudden you start thinking about what did everybody else go through that had similar situations and what happened to them. And that could cause great fear. And if you found yourself in an unhealthy situation, you might be able to relate immediately to that. Or if you've invested into the stock market and you're planning on retiring off of what you've invested and then all of a sudden all the, the bottom falls out of the stock market. That's kind of scary. I was going to live off of that. Um, that was how I was going to survive. And all of a sudden... You say, there are lots of situations in our lives that can cause us to be afraid, that can cause us to feel alarmed. Even if it's not you going through that, I know that you know people who have dealt with this. Uh, unless it's grandpa that is still alive, everything fell out of the stock market for them. Very scary. Um, I know we know people were dealing with cancer and other kinds of sicknesses. These are scary situations that we've had to go through. So what do we do when we face those situations? The answer is very simple. But that's not always the answer that we choose. What Jehoshaphat did, he says, we're going to get together and we're going to pray about this. Uh, verse 3, chapter 20, verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Uh, he, he, he set himself to seek the Lord. He was determined. The New American Standard said he turned his attention to seek the Lord. The NIV, I like the best, says, resolved to inquire of the Lord. And that sounds very easy to do. Yeah, I'm in a stressful situation. What do I do? I'm going to pray. But you think about, he's got 15 hours to try to round up and figure out what in the world is he going to do. Uh, that's not the natural thing that people want to do when they're facing these kinds of situations. So let's just think for a minute, what could he have done? He chose to pray, but what could he have done? He could have said, okay, guys, we're going to get our war strategy committee together, and we're going to figure out a battle plan. Sounds logical, right? If I'm going to go to war, I want to know what I'm going to do. He could have said, uh, I'm running away, I'm, or we can all flee, whoever, because we, don't, we can't handle this army it's, if they get here. They can just have the city, and we'll just live. Um, he could have sent peace, uh, people for negotiations of peace. What's it going to take in order for you to leave us alone? Do you need money? Do you need all our, our swords? Do you need all our animals? He could have tried to make peace. But what he decided to do was he decided to wait upon the Lord. He decided, decided to inquire with, of the Lord. Now, when, what do we do when we face situations that cause us stress, that cause us alarm? You know, the easiest thing to do in most of those situations is to run to somebody else. Pastor so-and-so, what should I do? Mom, Dad, what should I do? Um, or someone else that you trusted. And I know in my life, that's what I used to do as well. I wouldn't stop and do what Jehoshaphat did and say, I'm going to just pray and wait on the Lord. I'm like, my brother Ben, what, what should I do? Mom and dad, what should I do? Or do we flee the trouble? You know, it's, uh, sometimes people flee the, the job because they don't want to put up with the boss or they don't want to put up with the co-worker. So they see this problem. They say, I'm getting out of here. Someone else can have this issue. Or do we just work through the situation as best as we can. When, when the situation starts to come, as quick as we can, we start to make decisions. Or do we stop and pray? 
That's, that's obviously the best thing to do. And let me tell you, when we were on our vacation, and we came across this situation that all of a sudden caused this alarm, very unexpected, that's what we did. We prayed. We just stood there together, just Leslie and I, and we prayed. And what we did was we told the Lord, uh, we are in the middle of what feels like nowhere. Our van just died. We have a prepaid vacation all the way down the tracks that we can't get to. Uh, we are not loaded with money. I'm not sure what we're going to do. <laughs> so we, we prayed. We said, hey, this is our situation, God. He knows. He, he knew before the beginning of time what was coming. Uh, but we told him, oh, we don't know what we're supposed to do. And we just kind of had to wait and see, God, what are you going to do in order to help us? And when we did, we're going to see here in a few minutes how God worked all that out. But if you, if you have that relationship and you can just trust God, because God is not immediately always going to say, here's exactly what you need to do. Sometimes you can wait five minutes. Sometimes you might be waiting three days or, or two months in order for God to work it out. But the same truth applies that we still need to trust God for the answer that he's going to give us. And this is what the king did. He decided we are going to pray about this. Uh, here's, here's the prayer, and then I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit more uh, about both sides of it. But verses 6 through 12, he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in, and in your hand, is there not power enough so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, or your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And now, here, we are the peop here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O, o our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. This is our situation, God. We know that you are a God who can be trusted. We have no idea what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We are just going to wait to see what you're going to do. And you find in verse 5, uh, or, I'm sorry, verse 4, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Judah is a great big country. And they said, it's worth sending people to these other cities to get them up to Jerusalem to say, we are going to pray together about this. We are in a situation we cannot handle. We don't know what to do. Let's get together and pray. And then verse 13, it says, Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Everybody, the little ones who are like squawking because they're like, what are we doing standing here? I don't like this. Mom, can I go play? We said, no, we are all together in this. We are all going to pray and ask for God to do something for us because we need his help. And why, you know, you think about Jehoshaphat doing this. You know, why didn't he just say, okay, God, I'm going to pray by myself because that's what people tend to do. If I'm in a situation... It's easy for me to just throw up a prayer to God and say, hey, help me here. Uh, or why didn't he just say, hey, honey, Leslie, will you pray with me? Uh, we're going to pray about this, or let's just get our family together. Uh, why did he include everybody? Anybody have any ideas? Why did he include the whole country? 
All the little kids who don't know what's going on, all the wives are like, okay, could you hurry this up because I got this little one that needs to go take a nap. Why did he get everybody together? Because when he's doing it, part of it, he's admitting, I don't know what to do. I, I, I have no idea what to do in this situation, God. And he's admitting to everybody else that this is not something that man is going to be able to solve. And he's admitting that he does not have all the answers. Now, it seems like the king is the last person in the world who should be saying that, right? The king is supposed to have all the answers. The president of the United States is supposed to have all the answers. If he's admitting he doesn't know, everybody all of a sudden is afraid because they're looking at this guy to say, you're the one that's supposed to lead us. But he's saying, I don't know what to do. And along with that, they fasted, which means they did not eat. And, and a lot of times throughout the Bible, praying and fasting go together. And I think it's to show God how serious they are about the situation that they're facing, that they're, not, that they're willing to give up eating to inquire of the Lord. They're giving up everything in order to turn to God and say, please help us. They're in a very scary situation. This is life and death. They have nothing they can do about it except for pray to God and hope that he's going to do something. Your situation, hopefully, in life doesn't turn out to be a life and death situation. Hopefully, it's just the car and vacation. Hopefully, it's just the loss of a job as opposed to a life and death situation. But whatever situation you're in, what should you do? You should stop and pray. So like after church, we're not in a, a life and death situation, but I want to pray and say, God, we need some help. Our country needs some help. Our president needs some help. Please help us. Our church could use some help. Uh, you know, people aren't, aren't here today. There's people who haven't been here other days that I, I wonder if they could be or they couldn't be. And I know it's not, you have to be in church to be saved, uh, but there's a, world, there's a town out here that needs to know the Lord. There's uh, family members that need to know the Lord, this whole country. And I think if we could get together, which was my wife's idea, by the way, I know she no one likes getting pointed out that way, but saying, you know what, maybe we should get together. We're, we're talking about it today, we should pray together. But it might be you with your family at home on the couch. You're in a stressful, stressful situation saying, okay, let's pray together. And when we do that, we're, we're teaching our kids, if we pray with them, that you know what, mom and dad don't know all the answers. Okay, we, we have to look to God for help as well. It's showing the kids that, you know what, God is worth trusting. This is not just a grown-up thing. It, it helps to show the kids that, um, that yet, like I said, that he's worth trusting. It's a great teaching moment if we will include our kids. I think that's part of why Jehoshaphat did it. He's showing everybody, look, we're looking to see what God's going to do because of how great he is. And sometimes when you pray, when you're in those tough and stressful situations, God's going to answer your question or your, your need in an unexpected way. And that's what we find here with Jehoshaphat. I imagine when Jehoshaphat is praying and he's getting everybody together, I, I imagine he's, asking, he's looking for a war strategy. Here's the best way to handle this situation. I, I, anybody here think maybe that could be what you'd be looking for, a war strategy? Or maybe that God would just help enough of them survive so that Jerusalem isn't destroyed? Or that the enemies would change their minds and that they would just leave? Or that God would somehow make the problem just go away? That's the kind of thing that I would expect if I was praying in that situation to see what God was going to do. But I want to point out, verses 15 through 17, here is the amazing thing that God did for them that they did not expect. And they would not have had had they just decided to do this on their own. But because they're willing to trust God to accomplish whatever he thought was best, they got to experience some pretty amazing things. So verse 15, 
Um, it says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for this great battle is not yours, but God's. Whoa, unexpected answer, right? Finding out that this battle that's coming their direction is not something that they have to deal with. Uh, verse 16, it says, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Wow, you got this overwhelming army, this odds, these armies that you cannot fight on your own if you needed to. And God says, hey, it's not your battle. Hey, you guys aren't even going to have to fight this battle. Uh, and he says, do not be dismayed. Uh, tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. What a relief. What an amazing thing. All because they said, okay, we're praying. We don't know what to do. God says, okay, good. You're trusting me. I will take care of it all for you. And it was a very unexpected way. And when you pray and you ask God for something, it might be a very unexpected answer. And it might turn out better than you expected. When we were on our vacation and our van died, it felt like it was the middle of nowhere. It was two hours away. Uh, we were actually near um, a car dealership, Dave Smith. It was about 20 miles past where we broke down. You know where, how big Montana is? You know how big Utah is? Where are, are all these these areas we're going to go through. We could have broke down in a number of places for the exact same reason. But God says, we're going to do this at the start. We're going to make sure that you're 20 minutes away from help. And so we, we went there. I mean, and we had friends with us on vacation. How many times have I ever took a friend with me on vacation? One time. And it was these friends. Uh, I, and the way this all worked out, uh, we, we got, they kind of like took us a bunch of trips to get us to, uh, back to Dave Smith because they have like four or five kids and then trying to just get everybody there. And they shuffled us there. We went into Dave Smith after we prayed. And my, my whole goal was to just walk in like an average Joe and say, hey, we're looking for a car. Because I thought, boy, if we tell them what's going on, we're going to get nailed to the wall. I mean, if we want a car, it's going to cost us a lot of money. Well, we have this friend, Rachel, which was the mother, very quiet, very calm, very timid, won't say a word. Well, she walks right up right off the bat, right past us, and talks to the person and says, hey, <laughs> we're on vacation. Our friend's car just died. I was like, wait a second. That's exactly what I did not want. And from that point on, it was like we were famous. Everybody in that whole place knew us as the people whose car died on vacation. And from that point on, everybody was helping us. Um, when we, we went, uh, we, we, I told him, I said, we have, I can, I think, spend $6,500 on a car. I said, I don't want a minivan. And I don't want a car because of the stuff that we have. And so they're like, well, we have this $10,000 uh, Nissan Xterra. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit overboard for what I was looking at. But we're looking at this car. And uh, we took it for a test spin. And thank goodness Tyson was with me. Because I am, when it comes to cars, I am dumb. I don't know anything. I'm like, okay, I'm in the car. And, and he starts asking all these questions. Like, does the cruise control work? Oh, let's try this out. You know, and what hit the gas, and what about this? And he starts asking all these questions that you should ask if you're going to be buying a new car that I just didn't know. If I was there by myself, I would have bought this piece of junk, cheaper, smaller car because I didn't know what in the world to do. But God said, hey, you're going to meet Tyson here. And so the story gets even better because we get back to the, the car dealership, and they, sell, they tell us, we'll sell you the car for $6,500. And I'm like thinking... Well, how in the world? This is a $10,000 car. I didn't even haggle for the price to get from $10,000 down to anything. And uh, we went to this uh, finance room with the guy who was filling out the paperwork, and he was stunned. 
And this was this was a guy. He had God all over his office. He had the Christian station. He had the the posters. He had everything. And he was surprised. He says this was a God thing because this company does not do stuff like this. You got this ten thousand dollar car for sixty five hundred dollars. Uh, you better count your stars. You know, praise God for this one. Uh, you put it on a credit card because it was a Saturday. That doesn't happen either. They didn't check with the bank. And so we just got blown away by miracle after miracle after miracle. After we prayed that God would just keep us safe on our trip, he says, no, I got something better for you. Sure, it's going to be tough, but I want to show you how good I really am. You just got to trust me in this. And so that's, we look out at our car, we're exterior, and I see that all the time. I see that God is faithful, that, yep, I had to trust him through something really difficult. I don't know what to do. I don't really have a gob of money here. I mean, I'm like, I hope my credit card's in hold. <laughs> you know, if it was up to me, if we didn't have friends, I would have had my parents come get me, and I would have just went home. I would have just forfeited the whole rest of the trip because I'm like thinking, I don't know what lies out there. But God did something special in our life even though we ask him for something completely different. And I think God can do the same thing for you. And I, I you know, if, if you, if you are, find yourself in a position of needing a job, God can provide the job. If you need a miracle for cancer, God can do that. Um, if your investment falls through the floor, you have nothing uh, to live off of anymore, God can still provide. I'm not saying God's going to do. I have no idea what God is going to do in those situations that you find yourself in. Believe me, I was blown away. I had no idea what to expect, but God had all these things lined up for me to help me out to be better off than I ever thought, I ever dreamed of being. And uh, I'd like to continue and say that, you know what, sometimes when you have faith, sometimes you still have to move. Uh, Verses 18 to 22, um, God made it easy for Jehoshaphat, but there's still a point where God says, hey, I want you to do something. Jehoshaphat bowed his head to the and with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel, God of Israel, with their voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tico. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and with those who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army, and they were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now I want you to catch verse 22. It says, Now when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come out uh, against Judah and were defeated. It looks to me like they had to... Take that first step. Okay, we, got, we prayed. We got everybody together. We had to take that first step. And again, God says, okay, I'm going to move. I'm going to set the ambush, and I'm going to make these people, uh, I'm going to take care of the, the situation that they're in. You know, God didn't need them to go anywhere, right? He didn't need them to leave Jerusalem in order to wipe out this our enemy. He could have said, okay, you guys are trusting me, but I want you guys uh, but I want you guys to go. I still want you to go because there's still something else that I want you to see. And you find that when, uh, when they get there, verses 23 to 25, we can see how, uh, what, how God took care of the, this, this battle. For the people of Ammon were defeated, uh, and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables of the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were there three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. God says, I mean, they could have, he could have said, you guys stay in Jerusalem, I'll take care of this. But I think God said, I want you guys to see something. I want you guys to have this in your memory bank, pass this down through history, that I took care of you, that I took care of this, and then I'm going to bless you besides with all the abundance of this enemy that were coming to destroy you. He says, there's more to learn in this than just that I'll take care of you from a distance. I want you to see what I've done so that you can have trust, that you can have confidence. So the next time you face a situation that causes you alarm, you will again turn to God for help. So when you, uh, so when you pray, and you are because you're facing a situation that causes you alarm, you still might need to move. If you find yourself looking for a job, Selena, you find yourself looking for a job someday, guess what you're going to have to do? You can pray and ask God for a job, but you're going to have to go apply for a job. right? You can't just say, God, give me a job, and please give me a job, and I'm going to be faithful here praying. I mean, unless somebody happens to know, but you've got to go out there, and you've got to go out and get a job. Somebody with a difficult family member that they have to deal with. You might still have to go to work and deal with that person, or you might still have to go talk to that person in order for that situation to be resolved. Someone with cancer still might have to go to the Mayo Clinic. God might say, this is just how I'm going to deal with it. But you still have to have faith and go. And when, when, uh, when God answers your prayer, I want to encourage you to remember to praise him for it. Whether it's the answer that you wanted or the answer that you didn't get, remember to praise God. And that's what these... These guys did, uh, verses 26 to 28. It says, On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for, they blessed, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Baraka, or Bereka, which means blessing. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their, their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps, and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave them rest all round. So after three days of plundering all the enemy who were coming uh, without number to, to wipe them out, they, they killed each other. Here's how it worked. You had A, B, and C. A and B ganged up on C. So then C is wiped out, and then A and B ganged up on each other. And so all the enemies is laid out dead, and then all Israel had to do was to come and collect all the spoils for three whole days. But they didn't just stop there. They said they spent the fourth day praising God for all that, they, that he had accomplished for them. And when they, they marched all the way back to Jerusalem, there was singing, and there was these tambourines and all these musical instruments, and they praised God. And I imagine they went right back to the very spot where they had prayed in Jerusalem before, for God to help them in the first place, and they praised him for it. And I, what I hope and, and telling you all the stuff about my car is that it gives you confidence to say, you know what, I can trust God too. Because look at what he did in Josh and Leslie's life. I think God will do the same thing for me. When these, these, these people of Israel, it says when every, all the surrounding area heard about this, they were afraid because look what God did. He wiped out the enemy. So be encouraged that God can do these things. Will he do these things? I don't know. 
but we got to trust him. We got to pray anyway, and God can answer in unexpected ways. And it might take 10 years for you to realize, oh, thank you, God, that you allowed this to work out this way because you don't know. But the, the point is that you're going to face situations that cause you fear, alarm, stress, make you want to pull out your hair because you are that overwhelmed. But what do you do? We can run around to each other and say, what do I do? What do I do? Or we can say, God, I, this is my situation. I really have no idea what to do about it. But I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to wait for you to give me the answer. And then when God gives you the answer, if he says move, you move. If he says stay, you stay. And then you just praise God for this situation, for the answer that he gave you. Because God is good, whether he, he gave me a new car or whether he says, you know what, you're just going to have to walk home. You know, God is still good even in those kinds of situations. So I want to encourage you, again, with those words. If you face a situation that scares you to death, go to God with it. If you know somebody who's facing a tough situation in their life, go to God for them. Encourage them to go to God. Get together with your family. Get together in your, uh, if it's just you and your spouse, if you have 14 kids, if you have uh, a whole branding party, right? Whatever it is, get together and pray about it, and then trust God for the answer and give him the praise for it, because He's still good no matter what answer he gives you. Again, uh, after, after we, we close in song, um, I want to just, anybody who would like to gather here, we'll pray for about 10 minutes. Anybody who wants to pray, uh, we'll pray, and then uh, we'll be free to go. Dear God, I do thank you so much for being such a great God, that you love us so much that uh, you're willing to work in each of our lives in the, the special way that we need it. God, that you're able to have control over everything, to work everything out in a way that is for our good, even if we don't realize it or understand it. God, again, I just thank you so much for my exterior that you provided that car for us when we needed it. You provided the friend that could help me answer the, ask the questions, God, that you gave us the deal on it that we should not have ever gotten, except for God, you said, I'm going to bless you. Uh, so we thank you for that. God, I just I pray for this church. I pray that uh, I know it's, it's, hard, it's easy to look at the situation and think, yeah, that's not me. But God, you are such a good and great God that you can work a miracle in anybody's life, uh, no matter what they're going through. So I pray that you would. Please give us the courage and the confidence to trust you from what your word uh, has shown us today. In Jesus' name, amen.